The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. Welcome into an odd version of Talking Cowboys. It looks a little bit different because it's draft eve, and we've got plenty in store once Thursday rolls around as the 2020 NFL Draft is finally here, but we're going to bring you all the content, all the information that you need to know leading into draft day. We are Talking Cowboys. Kyle Yeomans here alongside Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, and back for a second straight week, the great Isaiah Stanback, former Dallas Cowboy, as we continue to get you ready for the NFL Draft. And guys, it's crazy. Tomorrow's the draft. We're just over 24 hours away from our recording of this podcast. And you still don't necessarily know exactly where the Cowboys are going to go. There's so many different options, edge rusher, cornerback, wide receiver. Who's going to fall to 17 if the Cowboys even pick at 17? And, Rob, I, I know you've been around the draft for almost, a, I guess, how many years now? Maybe a decade? Uh, I think it's like 15 years on and off. I've lost track myself. But something <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> But is this the, just the craziest, most wide-open possibilities that you've ever seen leading into draft day? Yeah, and I think, you know, Cowboys officials touched on that during the pre-draft press conference in that because you're at 17, you're right on the edge of that top half of the first round. And you're, it's, it's in a way, if you, if you want to be pessimistic about it, you're in no man's land a little bit because you're, you're at the mercy of all these teams in front of you. However... I think the Cowboys are looking at it from an optimistic standpoint that they're going to have options. They feel good about the overall talent in this year's class, especially those first round prospects. And they're going to have some options, whether they stay put, which they've done the last six drafts and just pick the best player available to them, or they try to find a dance partner and move back. I mean, that's something they've done before. Jerry Jones referenced that about Travis Frederick in 2013, where they were able to move back from 18, which is right almost the same spot as 17, 13 spots back, got a future, you know, five-time Pro Bowler. So that's kind of how they see this as as potential options and flexibility. Of course, you got to have, it takes two to to tango there, but we'll see how the, they got to see how the board, you know, uh, falls here in the next, you know, couple days here. It seems like it, it really isn't uh, a foregone conclusion on whether or not those trades are even going to happen. Of course, they had a mock draft the other day, and even in the first pick when the Cowboys traded up to the first overall pick, it was all a mock. It was all scripted. <laughs> Cowboys fans, don't get too Wouldn't crazy. Wouldn't that be crazy? Don't get too crazy and because they took also Trey Adams, offensive tackle out of Washington, which was kind of an odd pick. But, <laughs> Hecma, it just seems like, things are going to be a lot more clunky whenever it comes to the draft moving forward. Man, it, this is fair in uh, unprecedented territory with this draft, and I'm looking for something crazy to happen tomorrow at the top quarter of this draft. But I think this – I really look at 17 for the Cowboys. We're sitting pretty. You know, if, if there's a, anything that happens, someone falls, you know, there may be a player that we never even imagined that would be there for us. Or, you know, history repeats itself, uh, as uh, Jerry Jones stated yesterday, 
uh, and we may trade out and go back and pick up a stud as well. And so I'm really excited about where we are at 17 and just excited to see how this draft pans out. Well, you know, the thing with 17 is that things could work out so well for you because some of those top 15 players could drop or things could go oh so wrong. And then you've got to, like Rob said, find a dance partner and kind of go back and forth. That's kind of the, the craziness with being around the 17th pick. And then you add the wrench in of it being a virtual draft. And Isaiah, no surprise here. You're the one of the four of us who have actually been drafted <laughs> in your one. career. He's the only <laughs> one that's been drafted. Is there any possibility at all that this takes away from the dreams that are being kind of fulfilled over the next couple of days? I think for those first round guys, I think it, I think it definitely does. I think those guys really look forward to probably the last half of their collegiate career. I think they really look forward to that draft day, right? If they know they're going to be a first round guy, you know, if they like that kind of attention. I was never that guy. I was oh, if I got invited to the draft, I'll probably stay at the house with the family, you know, in the living room or something. But I think for those guys that like that, like that stardom and really want to be there, I think this does hurt them. It hurts their vision. But at the end of the day, it's a long career. Hopefully, it's a long career. And, you know, this is a small portion of it, and you're still blessed to, you know, to get drafted and even be invited um, and even be in the same conversations as a first-round draft pick. So for those guys, I think it may, may affect some of those guys, but uh, for the majority, uh, for guys like myself that were, you know, the, you know, day two guys, I think they'll be perfectly fine. What was your draft day like? You were selected fourth round by the Dallas Cowboys. Just kind of take us through exactly how that day went for you, and, and was it – as stress-free or was it as stressful as some uh, some say about it? It was very stressful for myself because I was coming off a pretty traumatic injury. Uh, I had sustained a Liz Frank injury in my senior year back in October, halfway through my senior season. So from October all the way until, until now, I hadn't touched the field. And, you know, scouts didn't have an idea what I was doing, how healthy I was. So by the time I went through the combines and all those things, the only thing they had on me was previous tape from, you know, six months ago and, you know, whatever kind of, um, you know, health, you know, health assessments that they did for me at the combine and on my visits. So draft day was a little crazy because I wasn't sure if I was going to be on the first day, which back then was the first three rounds on the day one. Um, and then day two was four through seven. So I wasn't sure. So literally I sat, on a, sat around waiting by the phone all day long. Uh, thinking I might be a second or third round guy simply because of my injury, you know, and some teams didn't want to take the risk on me, didn't think I could come back from that. So uh, by the end of day one, I realized that I wasn't going to get sick. I went and played some video games uh, at, a, at the local arcade with my family, and, and I started receiving phone calls early the next morning. Isaiah, I, I kind of miss those days when we just packed it all into two days, you know, just knock it all out. But uh, Remind me, were, were the Cowboys looking at you? Did they talk to you before the draft about being a receiver instead of quarterback? Or how many teams were interested in you making that switch that you ultimately did? Yeah, it was, it was half and half, I would say. I think I, think I, I kind of had like three parts. I had teams that didn't think I was going to be able to come back from that traumatic injury because most guys that had it previously didn't come back. So I had that, that, that third of the, of the league that didn't want to touch me. I had a third of the league that wanted me as an athlete right, who wanted me as the, you know, receiver slash whatever. Uh, and then that, which I think Dallas fell, in, fell into that category. And then I had the organizations like the New England Patriots, you know, Coach Belichick and 
and um, and uh, Billy O'Brien, those guys wanted me at quarterback. So, you know, I got my obviously I got drafted by the Cowboys and Jerry told me, Isaiah, we're going to get you with this pick and you're going to play receiver for. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, that's when I found out I was playing receiver for the Cowboys. And then, you know, obviously, once I left the Cowboys, the next phone call I got was Bill Belichick. He said, hey, can you still throw the ball? Because we were about to draft you as a quarterback. So it's crazy, man. It's crazy if you're if you're in that athlete category. Man, where did you learn to pick up a Jerry Jones impression that was as spot on as that one? What? Spot on. <laughs> That's my guy, man. <laughs> there you go. He made, he helped make your dreams come true. And there's 255 plus dreams that are going to come true this weekend. And in terms of the Cowboys, we saw kind of a, a peek behind the curtain, but also not really whenever it came to the redraft press conference. It was a... a call much like this over webex where stephen jones jerry jones and mike mccarthy were addressed by the media and kind of talked to about some of their pre-draft plans rob you were a part of that that media group that got to talk to jerry and stephen what, what were some of the things that were kind of brought up that kind of piqued your interest at least over the course of that hour or so phone call well i think when they have these they have these every year and you're right it was a very different format Everybody's still trying to figure out virtually, including us, how to do this. Uh, but it went it went fine, and there were some good tidbits that came out of it. I think when you when you listen to those, you have to kind of read between the lines because Cowboys don't want to tip their hand. They want to accommodate the media, uh, but they don't want to tell you exactly what they want to do. And, to, you know, to a certain extent, to a large extent, they don't know what's going to happen. That's why 17 can open up a lot of different possibilities. I think I, it's, it's valid that they're not really sure. Uh, and, you know, and they told us, too, that they didn't feel like they're tied to any particular position. We'll see. I mean, I think corner and pass rush, we've talked about that for, for many weeks. Those still appear to be, even after the first wave of the agency, those still appear to be the major needs. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe there, there's some other things they're looking at. I thought Mike McCarthy said something interesting at one point in that talking about pass rush, you don't necessarily have to do, go the traditional route as, you know, as in a, a hand on the ground defensive end guy, you know, if they're going to be multiple and he called them a four, three defense, maybe you can, you know, attack in different ways and, and use your linebackers and things of that nature. So could they be looking at linebacker? We'll see if they trade down, could they be looking at another position uh, like offensive line? Although, when I asked the question about center, he mentioned the two Connors. He, he threw in Connor Williams there as well as a guy that could, I guess, compete for the position or at least something they're thinking about. So sounded like they liked the depth there. Um, but overall, they usually tell us this. They're not worried about any particular position, but they've got to have some things in mind on, on what they need and what they still need to address. And it was a great deal of posturing going on. They're not tipping their hand on anything. And, and you could just tell just by the questions that they were being asked that, look, although we may, they may have an idea about who they're going to go with, they are not letting anyone know which direction they're going in because they know that everyone is looking at that press conference as well. But one of the great things that I took from the press conference was 
Mike McCarthy talking about the uniqueness of this situation and being with a guy like Will McClay and also Jerry Jones and Steven talking about how Will McClay is all inclusive with the scouts and the coaches, everybody coming in together uh, to have a brain trust that knows that once these, you know, these guys start to fall on the board, that they already know which guys that they're going to attack. And I talked about this last week as far as that infrastructure already being there. And when when uh, Coach Mike McCarthy spoke to that, I thought that that was the one thing that I, I really feel strongly about going into this weekend under these unique circumstances. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with you. I, I want everybody to know if you guys don't know what a draft board looks like. All right, all the fans out there, these guys, these scouts, these guys have been working hard for the last year, right, on this particular class. And these guys have at every position, they're about 10 deep on a board where they have everybody's name. And as people get picked, they take that name away and they still know who their next man up is should they have the opportunity to pick for that particular position. So all the fans out there, if there's somebody out there that you want and they get taken before the Cowboys have their pick, don't worry. The scouts have done their due diligence and they know exactly who the next man up is if they choose to select that position. That's the let, me ask, let me ask you this, Isaiah. Now, don't you think that it's going to be even crazier for those teams that don't have a war room this year and guys are in different locations? How do you control that atmosphere not having that, you know, visually being able to see, yeah, yeah that that guy has fell off and just, I mean, for me, when I think about what tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow, that's what makes it even more crazy because there are some teams that are they rely on that heavily. When that guy falls off, who's the next guy coming up? How do you even envision any of this happening under these circumstances? The good thing is, you know, we're in 2020 and we have these cloud-based services and, and these teams have these very, uh, very well-paid, uh, you know, technicians on their squad. So I can only imagine that they have Google, you know, Google drives and things of that nature where there's, there's multiple worksheets that everybody can work on simultaneously. So when one edit's made, everybody can see what's going on. So I don't think there's gonna to be too much of a difference. It's just, everybody's not gonna be in the same room. The content will still be the same. The information will still be conveyed the same way. Um, it's just gonna be where you're literally talking like we're talking right now. Yeah, it's a lot of what we're doing here. We're not in a studio. We're not necessarily right next to each other, but we're still kind of having that conversation back and forth, still providing content, at least close to a level that we normally would whenever we're in a studio. I, I agree with Isaiah just saying that, hey, it's 2020. If this was 1995, it would be a lot, be a more, <laughs> it would be a lot tougher to try and pull off something like this. But luckily, we do have an opportunity to kind of stay connected, even though we are apart now. Kind of going back to this press conference a little bit, and Rob, you referred to this a little bit earlier where Mike McCarthy said we're a 4-3 defense, but there was another quote that stuck out to me, and I ended up tweeting this out yesterday because it kind of, in reading between the, or between the lines, it kind of made me think about Kenneth Murray at linebacker. Just kind of a, one of those thoughts. He's out of Oklahoma. He's not your traditional defensive end, rush the passer type of linebacker. But if they're potentially going to move to a 3-4, kind of got me thinking a little bit with this quote. And the quote was, the players that we've added to the existing roster, of course, through free agency, will give us a chance to shift gears as far as the scheme change we see ourselves making from here. What do you make of this quote? Is there anything to read between the lines? Or am I just crazy kind of thinking, at least at the moment, that says, hey, there's a chance that we may switch things up. Maybe not this next year, but a 3-4 maybe in the future. <laughs> No, it, you know what? His name crossed my mind, too, at the same time when he was talking about 
I mean, basically what he's saying is we need versatile guys, guys that can just get the best prospects on this defense and we can adapt to it. You know, and I think they've done that with the guys that they've signed. I mean, Gerald McCoy's played in multiple defenses. So has Don Terry Poe. So there's some adaptability to what they've already put in place. And Kenneth Murray, I think, is a prospect that can can probably fit different types of defenses. Zach Bond's another guy that could do it. I think he, yeah. linebacker that can also rush the passer. Not saying they're going to draft those guys, but that's the that, you know that's the type of prospect they could be they could be looking for uh, for Mike Nolan's defense there. And it kind of seems like at least they've had conversations. They have had conversations with both of those individuals, and it seems like they really do like Kenneth Murray just from kind of the conversations and, and some of the things that are kind of floated out about there. You could throw Caleb on chase on in that mix and LSU edge rusher is a little bit more of the traditional put your hand in the ground kind of edge rusher, but somebody that played outside linebacker at LSU, you could maybe throw him into the mix there as well. Just not as versatile. If you're looking at a three, four, then maybe Kenneth Murray and Heckman. I know you've kind of kept up with the draft overall. What were your thoughts whenever you kind of saw at least a hint at maybe a scheme change and where they could go whenever tomorrow comes around. You know, just thinking about which direction this team is going to go defensively and the whole mystery surrounding it, surrounding it, you know, uh, every team, some way form, they pay a variation of the three, four, four, three defense when they go to dime and nickel. So even to speculate on that, it was just maybe putting too much into it because look, everyone's doing it. And, but when you, the kid Murray from OU is probably a safe pick for all 32 teams in the first round. He is as solid as they come. His story is amazing. Uh, and the kind of character that you're getting And Isaiah, you talked about it last week, guys having the heart to play this game. He's a guy that comes in day one that you know that you can put in any system and he fits the bill. But also, Kyle, to, to your point about the 3-4-4-3, if we do change to that style of a defense, you're going to have to have that versatile guy, a guy that can do both, put his hand in the ground, stand up, a guy that can, you know, rush the passer. All of those things are going to be there. So no matter what we do, we're going to need more bodies and more versatile guys to do that. Yeah, heck, man, I don't disagree with you on that either, man. I, I, I feel like a lot of people are putting too much weight, as you mentioned, on the 3-4-4-3 scheme. In this day and age, guys are athletes. <laughs> Clearly, they're, they're freakish athletes. You know, when I played, I was 6'3", you know, anyone. I was with the Cowboys, 205 pounds, up to 245 pounds in my career, right? And I had to maintain a 4-3-4-4-40. So guys can run around, right? There's some large human beings out there that can move and they can move in large, like they can push some weight. So you don't have to have this traditional three, four, four, three. When I was playing with the Patriots, you know, back in 2009, we had to play against, you know, Rex Ryan. And Rex Ryan would come out and have a one down lineman, five linebacker, five DB, you know, um, setup. You know, so understand these defensive coordinators are creative. And when they go to start mapping out what their scheme is for each particular week, they much rather would have athletes that are versatile that could put their hand in the ground and hold an edge or they can get on the ground and they can get around the edge, right? And they will scheme around everything else. So do, don't get locked in to these guys needing to be, you know, 6'4", 280 pounds. I'd much rather have a 6'3", 245-pound guy that, that's strong enough in the weight room that can, help, that can hold his own. Yeah, Isaiah, it kind of reminds me of the, the Patriots last season where their top pass rushers were basically linebackers. And guys, athletic guys that can match up with this new wave of offense where you've got athletic tight ends 
and wide receivers that can make big plays. So it's almost like – I'm a big NBA guy. NBA is going positionless. It's almost like the front seven defenses, you've got to be not positionless, but you've got to have so much versatility to be able to match up with what offenses are doing these days. And it kind of seems like overall fans of the Cowboys have been maybe scarred by past coaching staffs who have thought the opposite, where it is kind of pigeonholed and you are in a 4-3 or a 3-4 scheme because that old kind of, I guess, the the past mindset, I won't say old, I don't want to tab any of the the former coaching staff that way, but I just want to say the, the new form of thinking is kind of where Mike McCarthy's headed. He even said it in his press conference yesterday that, we want ball players. We want to draft the best available. We want to get guys that are going to come in, be athletes, and be good football players. And so that was kind of music to my ears overall. Now, there were some other uh, at least talking points to, to go through that didn't necessarily have to do with the draft, one of which was the squashing of one of the, the rumors that Cowboys fans have been holding on hope for at least for the last couple of months, and that's Jamal Adams and a potential for a trade. Jerry Jones comes out yesterday, and he says that it's very unlikely that we're going to trade for a a veteran who, one, we're going to have to turn around and pay immediately, and two, we're going to have to at least give up one first-round pick for. Rob, kind of speak to that and and talk about what your thoughts were going into at least what Jerry was saying, because it, it crushed a lot of hopes for a lot of Cowboys fans. I'll yeah, it sure, it sure did. He said it's highly, generally speaking, he said it's highly unlikely that they would make a trade for a an established star in the NFL. And I, his, his basically his thinking was at this point in time, draft picks are so valuable that it's not it, it's not an asset really teams are willing to move at this point. And because you've got you're on draft day. It's an opportunity to draft a guy that can be under contract for four to five years with relative cost control, where it's not it's not going to hamstring your cap. Uh, if you're going to, you know, and he referenced again, generally speaking, if you if you trade for a guy, that's a big time contract that you're going to have to address and take on to your salary cap. We all know the top priority for the Cowboys right now is getting number four done, and that's you know that's that's line number one for them in terms of trying to you know spend and spend big money. Jerry has the best poker face in the game, man. So look, you know, <laughs> I mean, in for Cowboy Nation, everybody wants to have been talking about Jamal Adam for years now, especially last year. And with Earl Thomas and us missing that opportunity, we've just been clamoring for a safety safety. Uh, and there are plenty of them in the draft as well. And so, look, we don't know. It's going to be – it really is going to be wild. Uh, but I don't rule out anything happening last minute or something big happening for the Cowboys on draft day. Yeah, I can't foresee them, like like Jerry touched on yesterday, I can't foresee them, you know, getting an established veteran at that position. It's just it's too costly. And we're too cap-strapped here in Dallas to be, you know, trying to make that kind of sacrifice and that kind of commitment. And to my point last time we, we we all got together is the coaching staff, being able to lean on your coaching staff and know that they can develop talent, right? I I actually, as much as I, as much as I feel like I know Jerry Jones, and I know he wants that 17th pick. I honestly think that it would be more valuable for them to trade out of that spot, trade out of that spot, collect a couple more second or third, third round picks and get that value that fits within your financial structure. And it allows for you to gain more athletes, gain more depth, the more guys that you can develop underneath this particular regiment. Well, kind of going back off of what you just said, Isaiah, talking about 
specifically the safety position. You're saying that we're cap strapped and, and it's kind of put in a tough situation, of course. And like Rob just said, you're trying to pay your quarterback here. But is it also just kind of another sign of how much this front office kind of devalues the safety position? I mean, it's been almost a decade that we've been looking for a, a, a star caliber safety but necessarily haven't been looking for it as at the same time, you've kind of let that position go to the wayside and, and Jeff Heath was your guy for a little while. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a lack of trust there or, or a lack of commitment there. I just think that you see immediately as soon as this coaching staff came in, where did they apply their focus? Defensive line, right? They, they're focusing their attention on that defensive line and that front seven. All, you, all the talk you're hearing about is a pass rusher. D line, right? Interior alignment, being able to hold the fort, being able to control that line of scrimmage because that's where they've seen value in the last 10 years. The Cowboys established themselves by get, having the best offensive line in the league. So they understand the value of those front guys, which is why immediately they secured that, right? They secured their interior alignment. So now all of a sudden you can't rush inside, right? So now where's the value go? Now the guys can't go inside where they have to go. They have to go outside. So now we need some guys that can hold the edge. Now we need some athletes that can run side to side. You already have some of those linebackers in place. So let's go get some more of those guys. And by applying that pressure up front, our secondary guys don't have to be as good, right? The QB is not going to have as much time to sit back and survey the field and be able to make, you know, the, the proper delivery. So our front seven will allow for us. They, they need to be solid. Everybody else in the secondary, we just need them to be good. That's the ABCs of football, my man, you know, and so when you have a front seven, a front four guys that can apply that pressure, like you said, you don't have to have all world guys. And, and I just believe that once we uh, we brought on Ha Ha Clinton Dix, we got better at the position overnight. I mean, I know that's a, what we call a bridge player and it's a temporary deal. But at the same time, I just believe athletically we got better at that position. So I'm just excited about that por por portion of it. But you're right, Isaiah, like you said, man, it's. The defensive line, those edge rushers is going to make that 1-1,000 hell for a quarterback. Absolutely. It's going to be uh, a need anyways to address whenever the draft does come around over the next couple of days, secondary, cornerback, and, and safety all the way through. The, the, the com combination of those two positions is still right up at the top of the draft board, at least in terms of what the Cowboys could use. But do you guys see any other positions that kind of – pop out and at least reach out to you as some that could be maybe a sneaky need or a wide receiver, or a linebacker, something like that, that could potentially kind of rise to the top of the draft board and be there day one or day two. Well, I definitely think, you know, receiver could be a possibility depending on value and how early they want to invest in it. It's a fairly Kyle. It seems like it's a fairly deep position this year in the class especially top heavy it's top heavy with some of those four or five guys that could go in the first round um but you know quarterback sounded like qb sounded like it could be a need or something that they address sometime over those three days uh jerry jones did you say qb rob i said qb okay. and i and i haven't been saying qb but but look mike mccarthy wants to develop that room right and I went back and I looked at it, and he was there 13 years in Green Bay, and they drafted five quarterbacks, including two in one draft, and you had Aaron Rodgers there. So they, it's that's always been a philosophy in Green Bay, even before Mike was there. You know, you draft a guy, okay, you got Brett Favre. If this guy developed, you trade him for a first-round pick in three years. You know, so maybe that's what they're thinking, but of course, it's got to be something that that fits, and there's got to be value there uh, this this week.
I'm just teasing you, Rob. I heard I heard the same thing. Uh, and, and Jerry Jones kind of put it in the in the in the term of a guy uh, developing those assets for trade value in the future. And so, uh, and you look over the course of Mike McCarthy's career, even in Green Bay, and them drafting quarterbacks. That's a big part of the communication uh, for their their starting guys, having that communication be from their backup guys. And so, um, look, most of and it's no is is not a mystery why most NFL coaches have a quarterback experience. So Isaiah, uh, <laughs> you know, because those guys are a, part, a big part of the game plan. And so I, I look for that as well. I mean, but it, it shocked me when, when the question came up and they didn't shrug it off. They're like, yeah, you know, we'll be looking for quarterbacks in this draft as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to have depth at that position. I mean, you, everybody knows that uh, you know, number four is going to get taken care of, but what happens if he gets hurt? Right. And you, you always have to think about that as, you know, as a general manager, as an owner of a team, as a head coach of a team, you have to think about the what ifs, right? And even though you're putting all your money into this one individual at that particular position to lead your team, if something bad does happen to him, which does happen in this league, it's a physical sport, what is your backup plan, right? So I, I can't dismiss the fact that they are definitely going to grab a quarterback, but I also think that they need to address a slot receiver. You know, I think you can hear it, you know, and a lot of a lot of McCarthy's comments, he really wanted Cobb. He, oh, he yeah. Really, he really wanted Cobb. And yeah. he thought he thought that was a for a for sure thing. And it didn't happen. So now you have to fill that position. You're not gonna be able to fill that position with a veteran. So now you need to get somebody who was established, who had a great career in college, who might not even be a big name guy, but that can fall to you probably in the third or fourth round grab him that can that can take some of, the, some of the pressure off of those outside guys because you have cooper you got gallup you got those guys that can take it take the top off you know you have your tight end but you still need that guy that's going to get you those first downs with six seven yards isaiah do you think they've got enough of a workaround there though uh with moving amari in the slot some maybe paul tony pollard in there or do you think they, they need a beasley Cobb type guy that that's with that short area quickness to fill that position you need, you need that guy you know every team that i've been on that's that's been successful we had that guy right you mean whether it was when i was with the giants and we had you know Vic, you know we had Cruz in there when i was with the cowboys and we had patrick creighton who was always just shifty you know whether i was with new england and we had you know julian edelman and wes welker you need that guy that dbs have zero chance of sticking with right or if they want to stay in the base defense that linebacker has zero chance so you have to have that individual you're starting to see that transition you know if you go back you know 10 you know 10 12 years when you had the you know the calvin johnsons and all these big you know, receivers it's changed the value is not with those big guys anymore now it's starting to really you know change over to you know that slot guy that's just nifty and shifty and that can get you that five yards, catch it at five, get another five, six yards. Guess what? The sticks have just moved, right? You need to be able to move the sticks. It's not always about those big plays. It's about withstanding, uh, with, you know, withholding uh, drives. Well, both Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy addressed that yesterday, saying that we've set ourselves up with the success that we've had in the free agency market of adding some of these veteran guys, kind of laid, laying a, at least a foundation to add a bunch of talent in areas that we didn't necessarily think were specific needs early. I wide receivers right up with you, Isaiah. I agree. They need a guy like that. The good news is there's a lot of guys like that in this draft, and you can get them in the third and the fourth round, too. So you don't actually have to address it early now if a jerry judy or a cd lamb falls in your lap at 17 there's a chance to get a number one wide receiver nothing against amari cooper but 
I mean, people are comparing C.D. Lamb to, to DeAndre Hopkins. If you could tell me that the Cowboys are snagging DeAndre Hopkins right now, I'm never going to turn that down. So there, there's plenty of options when it comes to wide receiver and also really with quarterback late as well. And, and like Rob was kind of talking to, you need that depth. Right now you have a backup quarterback who was undrafted. You have a chance. If you want to go five, six, seven rounds deep into this draft, you have a quarterback you like fall in your lap. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull the trigger on somebody to maybe at least fight for that backup role overall. Now, we're running out of time. This is a shortened show for all of those watching. Thanks uh, for sticking around, at least through some of the craziness of draft week. Before we go, though, I want you guys to give me your prediction. Who the Cowboys are going to take? Pick 17. Heckmo, we're going to start with you, then Isaiah, and then Rob will finish us out. That's how we're going to do this. This is our impromptu Cowboys mock draft 17th overall pick edition. Go, Heckma. I'm going to chase him from LSU. I, I think he's he's the bona fide pick for us at 17, and it makes sense. You know, uh, there's some other needs we may trade back. I don't know, but I'm just saying right off the top, 17, chasing from LSU. Doggone you, Heckman. I was going with the same one. Pick <laughs> <laughs> another one. <laughs> oh, man, I can't call it. I, I, man, that's, that's why I have my mindset on right there. I, I think that we definitely need I think they're going to go with pass rusher. I definitely didn't go pass rusher. At what, what name, I can't give it to you right now. I'm going to have to go back and go on my doggone cheat sheet. <laughs> well, I'm going to stay really boring. I'm going to go make it official, unanimous with Chase, Chase on. I think... I agree. I think pass rush is something they're looking at. It's probably less deep than corner potentially, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if CJ Henderson's not there and everybody thinks he might be a top 15 pick now, maybe they go with the best available corner. And there's, there's a few of those guys as well. Yeah. There's Trayvon, AJ Terrell. There's plenty of those best overall corners that could be available. My boring pick would be Caleb on chase on. That's who I really do think they will end up selecting. However, I will throw Christian Fulton's name in there. I think he's a little bit up on the boards than a lot of people realize. I went back and watched his tape again. This is a coverage corner. This guy can do a lot of things for you, and he fits the mold of what Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan are going to end up doing with that defense moving forward. And I think they'll add some linebacker and some edge rush depth a little bit later on in the draft. You're going all LSU Tigers, man. You've been doing too many shows with Hellman. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've been you hanging around it? with Hellman a little bit too much. Yeah, and I'm getting it. Hey, let's just throw Grant Delpit in there too. Let's throw all the LSU Tigers. <laughs> Trade up to first overall. Let's go get Joe Burrow. Let's figure it out. Clyde's Edward Alaire. Okay. That's going to do it here for Talking Cowboys WebEx edition on the eve of the 2020 NFL draft. So glad you've stuck around with us and hope you're staying safe out there in its crazy times. Enjoy the NFL draft. We're going to be back next Tuesday at our normal time. 11 o'clock to talk through how the Cowboys did, who they picked up, and where do they go from here. But for now, for Heckma Harrison, for Isaiah Stanback, and for Rob Phillips, I'm Kyle Yeomans. So long until next week.